Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, I'll admit it. Sometimes I'm wrong about things. But you can trust me on my Buffy Cloud Comforter review because it's not just my opinion. This comforter has over 11,000 five-star reviews. All of us agree it's the softest, fluffiest comforter we've ever tried. I love the eucalyptus fabric around the comforter. It's softer than cotton and naturally soothes skin. I used to always flip my pillow back and forth to get to the more comfortable side, but now I just take my Buffy Cloud Comforter and wrap myself up in it like a little cocoon. The inside fill of each Buffy comforter is made from 100% recycled water bottles that are transformed into the fluffy fiber I can't get enough of. You can try a comfy, sustainable Buffy comforter in your own bed free. If you don't love it, return it at no cost. Get $20 off by visiting Buffy.co and entering code SAF. That's Buffy.co and promo code SAF. Okay, y'all, you remember that collab we did with Daisy where we made those beautiful shirts that say allies of all size and we helped fund Daisy's expansion to larger sizes? Just wanted to remind you that those shirts are still for sale and you can use code SAF to get 10% off not only that shirt, but any Daisy brand shirt. Um, All of those proceeds, we get a little cut if you use our code and then all of the proceeds on Daisy's side go to expanding their sizes, which is really cool. Um, If you need a refresher on them, then just listen back to our fashion apps. All right, buy that shirt. I'm Sophie. I'm April. And this is She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll discuss being anonymous online, fat visibility, fat invisibility, and using your privilege for good. I'll talk to anonymous fat activist writer, your fat friend. What do you have to say, April? She low-key killed somebody in the early thousands. Cool. Start off obsessions. Here's some from your girl, April. What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm back. It's April again. I'm obsessed with some stuff. So, here are my obsessions. Number one, Chloe and Hallie, they like released a little snippet maybe a couple months ago on Instagram. People were like, Bitch, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you need to tell us what the song is. Like, I kind of felt like they weren't really ready to release it. People were like, we need the song. And so they were like, okay, fine. We'll just put it out since our fans demanded it, right? They put out two songs that day. And the one that I'm obsessed with is called Who Knew? Um, Who Knew is like if Beyonce wrote sort of like an ethereal sort of sarcastic love letter like it's not that it's sarcastic but it's sort of a love song about like you know when you are just friends with someone and you're like really not into them like that and they're literally just your like homeboy or homegirl or home person and then like six months later you're like oh I think we're dating actually (laughs) like Literally, that's just the song, and it's so beautiful. Usually, Chloe and Hallie, like, split the vocals, but Chloe actually sings lead on this, and Hallie does all the background. And I just think that's beautiful. Like, they support each other as sisters, and I'm excited about them, like, taking turns on songs because their voices are so different. Like, Chloe is very much like the Beyonce heiress. Like, Beyonce's their mentor, and you can really tell that in Chloe. But then Hallie has more of, like, an old-school, like... I like to compare her to Natalie Cole or, like, Sarah Vaughn, like, classic voices. And so they just meld together so incredibly. It really is just, like, new and old wrapped up together in this, like, really astounding way. And so it's cool to see all the different ways that they're able to come together because 
they haven't run out of ways yet. They're just like innovators and I'm obsessed with them. So their new song, Who Knew? I honestly did the thing where I was like trying not to listen to it too much because I didn't want to get tired of it. And I just, I listen to it every second. Like I can't turn it off. It's so good. Next obsession is not really an obsession. I don't even really know that I'm recommending this. I just need to report that yes, I did get sucked into Chernobyl on HBO. Yes, I did get sucked into the Chernobyl podcast. And no, I don't want to talk about it. Moving on. My next obsession is Allison Roman. Okay, so you may have seen her, like, on YouTube and YouTube-recommended videos or on, like, a lot of the Bon Appetit videos. She posts her recipes on um, New York Times Cooking a lot and, like, Instagram and stuff. She's this white woman. She's always wearing red lipstick. I've honestly ignored her for years because I'm like, who the hell is this? Why would I ever cook something that she's making? Again, it's just bias. Whatever. We're all people. So one day, New York Times Cooking started posting some of their videos on YouTube, and so I was like, I'm just gonna click. You know, I'm, I'm here i'm on the toilet i got time and let me tell you something honey allison roman knows what she's doing okay allison roman can throw down like i had no idea okay so specifically the video i watched was her ricotta dumpling like salad creation that i got sucked in and i watched literally every oh that's a firework that's what it's like living in a black neighborhood anyway so um I got sucked into every video that she's posted. I just can't get over it because it's two things. Number one, it's like food that looks complicated but actually isn't complicated. And then number two, it's like the the flavor combinations just like don't make sense on paper but do make sense in your mouth. Like she's always like cover chicken in anchovies. It's like, what? What are you talking about? It actually is delicious. And with the ricotta thing, it's she's like, it's ricotta dumplings and like peas and like brussels sprouts or whatever and it's like what are you talking about you try it literally delicious and it's like it all is you can make a lot of it in like one or two pots you're not like dirtying up your old kitchen and she just can really cook like i'm genuinely so shocked because i just honestly wrote her off but uh, yeah i gave her a chance and like she blew me away so i am gonna make some of her food on july 4th i'm so excited i'm like gonna use her steak recipe she has this like green bean salad thing that I'm excited about. I've been making her salsa verde like every single day. I'm just, she blew me away. Like literally Allison Roman, Stan. I'm obsessed. Um, if she's problematic, honestly, don't tell me because like I'm trying to eat good this summer and I really can't handle any more stress. So like it is what it is, but I am super enjoying her. So yes, that's my last obsession. I hope you're all having fun. I hope you're having a, a good summer. I hope you're having a lot of lime popsicles. I am constantly. And that's it. Back to you. So thanks, April. Okay. For my obsessions this week, I've got a special guest star who's here. We're recording from a hotel room in Portland, Oregon. We're coming back from a weekend that we take every year with our best friends from college. It's Lindsay, hashtag sorry, Lindsay, and she's going to help me explain one of our mutual obsessions. Okay, here's Lindsay. Hi. (laughs) Okay, so if you're a fan of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette franchises... Put that aside, dump it, because there's a better version coming from the UK. They're starting a US version, but right now we're watching the UK version of Love Island Season 2. I think basically it's like Bachelor in Paradise, but the premise is... (laughs) So they start off with five hetero couples, and then they have one floater person who's trying to get in there and break up other couples. And not all the couples are together because they like each other. Some of them are like default together. But regardless, if you're in a couple, you have to sleep together in the same bed in the same room with all the other couples. It's, you know, like bachelor, bachelorette rules where they don't have anything else to entertain themselves. So they have to like, they just spend all day like in the pool, in their bikinis, gossiping and like macking on each other. So I didn't think I would like it at first, but it has very quickly consumed me. It's pretty perfect trash, I would say. And also, it's got, like, a really British, what's the word, narrator who, like, gives little, like, little cheeky comments that's like, oh, we saw that, or whatever. Yeah, all the Britishisms are very funny, and they're constantly like, 
He's mugging me off. He's, I look like a mug. But yeah, we're obsessed with Love Island. It's garbage TV, but it's very like fun. Love my garbage shows. I don't usually like all the garbage you like, but this is some primo garbage. So that's our mutual obsession. If you love Bachelor in Paradise and like watching hot hetero singles make a fool of themselves for money on TV. Like I don't feel, we explained this to our friends and our friend was like, oh, I feel bad for them. And I was like, I don't. They signed up for this. They're full adults. (laughs) They're going to be famous. Whatever. They probably get FabFitFun boxes, you know? Who cares? Anyways, okay. So that's one of our obsessions. My number two obsession also from this weekend is just female friendship and community. It was very nice for us to hang out all weekend with our college besties. One of them just got engaged. Shout out to Mona um, and Steven. And that was really fun and nice. It's always nice to like get back together with our college friends every year and like see how much we've grown or not grown or what we're doing now and And I always come away feeling really grounded and happy. And it was really nice. Okay. um, Also, my third obsession is um, something else I used this weekend. Supergoop has like a tinted moisturizer. And it's a physical sunscreen as well. So it lasts pretty long. Um, I've been using it for like a week. It works pretty well for my skin. And I have pretty sensitive skin. Um, It only comes in like three shades or something. It's like not a good shade range at Supergoop. Please increase your shade range. But I did like sweat a bunch through it and it held up pretty well. Um, And then this is not a paid ad, but I just want to make sure everybody knew that Golden, which is the jewelry brand that we work with, one of them that sent us the like really cute SAF rings, they are giving listeners $5 off with code SAF. So um I would do that. It's only for a month. So if I were you, I would order some gifts and goodies from Golden. Okay, moving on to our Apple Podcast review shout outs. Thank y'all so much for rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. One day we'll get to new and noteworthy. And on that day, I will eat my hat. Okay. Thank you to the following people who are associated with the following usernames. Maggie from DC, W Catalano. I would bet that is our friend Whitney Catalano from episode one of this season. Decente 696, Pia B, A-B, and Christina underscore warrior underscore princess. Thank y'all so much for your reviews. Um, when the team does send screenshots of them to each other when we've had a hard day and we do appreciate that. Also, thank you so much to our patrons. We appreciate our patrons so much. You are who keep the lights on over here. We have quite a few bills from being independent and we could not do this without you. Thank you to Allison Weinberg, Amanda, Emily Van Ark, Tanika Brule, Emma Lee, Mary-Kate O'Keefe. Thank y'all so, so much. Y'all are the real MVPs. Okay, a little bit of news. There's only a few episodes left this season. A few more episodes and then we'll be taking a real break and you will have time to go back and listen to all the episodes again or join our Patreon and listen to all the 15-minute mini-sodes that we gave you all season. We are going to be changing up our Patreon mini-sodes to make them more cohesive, kind of a more planned out season alongside our next season so you can look forward to that. And we have a couple other changes coming up for next season but no worries. We will be back. We will be better than ever and fatter than ever. For Tip Jar, please give us your suggestions for season five. We want to know what you want to hear about, who you want to hear from, um, what conversations you want to hear, and what questions you have. So please email us at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com or message us on social media and let us know what you think. We are here for the fat molly and we want to give you stuff that you like. We already have a lot of things we're super, super excited about making um, and already working on, but we would love to hear what you want. Okay. And of course, we've got to shout out the Patreon Facebook group. This week, people are talking about book clubs, about straight size bullshit, and about grandmas who love our fat bodies. And in case y'all are not part of Team I Love Bread, then you... Um, are not getting the amazing mini-sodes we have, including the really good one from last week with Carissa and Jay. Um, Maria, drop a clip from that right here. Literally, you're like, 
Yeah, you could copy the entire caption, take my photo, Photoshop your face on onto it, and post it, and I'd be like, great post, girl. Yeah. Good. That was great. You're like, who do you think I am? Do you know I literally don't give a shit about anything? <laughs> I don't care even a little bit. Okay, as always, this week, um, we have a really great... Uh, mini sewed for Team Mile of Bread that is a juicy clip from um, your fat friend. So if you want to hear that, become a patron at Team Mile of Bread. Um, okay, love y'all, fat Molly. Stick around for the meat of it. <laughs> I need you to listen closely. I need you to believe me when I tell you what happens. I need you to say the word fat about me because I am. That's a quote from an article on Medium called A Request from Your Fat Friend, What I Need When We Talk About Bodies by anonymous writer Your Fat Friend. We've talked about this article before, way back in season one, in our episode about being the fat friend, and we're constantly linking to her writing in our show notes and referencing different pieces like a draft agenda for fat justice in our disability justice episode this season and others. Today, we're not just reading from the page, we're reading from the face. (laughs) Like, we've got your fat friend in the house. My house, specifically, we interviewed her. I interviewed her, me and her, we talked. It's a great interview, and you should definitely follow at your fat friend on all platforms and read all of her writing for more of what you're about to hear. Here's my chat with my friend, the anonymous writer known to the internet as your fat friend. Okay, everyone, here we are in the meat of it. I'm here with a very cool person who is anonymous, but like I know her name, so like just be jealous. She's our fat friend, and online she is your fat friend. So say hello to your fat friend. Hello! (laughs) I wanted to give it a minute so people could say hello, and then I could say hello back. Thank you for being here. I'm so overjoyed to be here. We have used a lot of your writing in past episodes and, like, read it and, like, linked to you because you are a beautiful writer, and you talk very clearly, informatively, and practically about fat issues as well as very, like, descriptively, I think, and emotionally, which is, like, a hard balance to strike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's hard to do. It is. It can be taxing sometimes, but... For, For sure. I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't if I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. So let's start by having you do just a brief intro of yourself for people who are not familiar with you. Sure. Um, so I write online, as you said, as your fat friend. I started doing that, it's been almost three years, which wow. is bonkers. You've honestly done so much. That's not a long time. <laughs> it feels like both longer and shorter than it should be. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like any big project. It's really not that long. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was longer. Um, and I uh, started because I got into an argument with a friend who I love and respect, uh, who's a thin person, and we were not seeing eye to eye mm-hmm. on, um, on fat stuff. So I wrote her a letter and I sent it to a friend to have him proofread it and was like, is this too mean? And he was like, I don't think it's too mean. I also think if you wanted to post it somewhere online, I'd like to be able to share it. So I did that. And then, I don't know, within the first week, like 40,000 people had read it. Totally. So I was like, well, I guess I got to keep writing. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I did. (laughs) Uh, So I write almost exclusively about being a fat lady and what it's like to move through the world, not just as a fat person, but as someone who is historically and currently at the larger end of the plus size mm-hmm. spectrum. Because there are uh, not a lot of voices of folks at the smaller end, but more than there are at the larger end. Yeah. So it felt important to give voice to not just, I can't find clothes that fit me, which is real, but also strangers yell things at me on the street and you know like there's like a more violent side of anti-fatness that shows up the fatter you are for sure so what we're going to get into today is we're going to be talking about the dichotomy of visibility and invisibility you are anonymous online which i think is a smart choice for (laughs) someone who writes a lot about fatness in some ways 
Um, once you get like famous and, and rich, then you can just hire someone to deal with Twitter and that'll be better. What was behind your choice to stay anonymous online? There were sort of two things, three things. One was I was new in a job and pretty like not high profile that anyone would know. Like sometimes people will send me emails and be like, I think you're Chrissy Metz or like, like Oh my God. Like they have theories that I'm like a That's famous so person. Funny. The decision was a couple fold. One was like, in my field, I was well-known enough, and this is enough of a credibility killer. Like, having fat politics will make people stop paying attention to you. Um, so it was some of it was, like, work survival mode, and some of it was also, like, as I started writing, the number of, you know, threats to my physical safety were really sort of through the roof. And some of that is baseline, like, so you're a woman on the internet stuff, and some of it is really... Uh, feels enhanced by not just being a woman on the internet, but being a woman on the internet writing very honestly and with some degree of vulnerability about like what it's like to be fat and to not try not to be fat. Mm -hmm. uh, people have real strong feelings about that. So I, it's slowed down a little bit lately, which is nice since I shut down the comment section. It's been way better. Woof. Um, <laughs> a plus would recommend don't have comment sections on your blogs, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I started being anonymous. What are the parts of your identity that are out there? People know you're fat. People yep. know you're a woman. Yep. Things that are out there about me. So I currently wear a size 26. For most of my adult life, I've worn a 30, 32. I am a white lady. I'm a queer lady. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I'm a cis lady um, and a lifelong U.S. citizen. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> USA. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mentioned something on Twitter the other day, and folks had strong reactions to it, which I get, about being like, hey, a lot of us just list our oppressed identities. I liked that, what you said there. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Appreciate it. So what you were saying was like, people should say their privileged identities as well, which I agree with because I think sometimes it's a really different conversation to have like a conversation with like a queer, white, rich person mm -hmm. about <laughs> what spaces they're afforded versus like someone who is more poor or like, you know, low income or whatever. Those things do make a difference. And I also think especially white people need to be reminded of their like privilege in that way or else they'll try to lead with their marginalizations. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. Yeah, totally. Well, and there's something about it's unintentional, right? Yeah. But when I don't mention my own whiteness, the effect of that is... It's the default. Right, exactly. It's the default and anything else is a deviation. I feel that way about thinness or fatness. Absolutely. Like, I wish people would talk about their thin privilege more often. Absolutely. And like Keevan Bay and I were having a conversation a while back. Mm -hmm. If you're not following Keevan Bay, get on that. Link in the show notes. That's right. There we go. <laughs> we were talking about how in the case of fatness... And also we talked a little bit about class, that both of those are floating signifiers, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing really anchoring it. There have been all these public opinion studies and all this kind of stuff that's like, it's some astronomical number, like 90% of Americans think they're middle class. Oh yeah, I saw that. And there are not numbers that I'm aware of around thinness and fatness, but kind of everybody thinks they're fat. Yeah. And... But that's not true. Yeah. And we just don't have cultural hard and fast, mm -hmm. you know, people will be like, my BMI says I'm overweight. Right. And I'm like, cool, but you also wear a size eight. Right. I'm not going to tell you that you're not fat, but we do have to have room for a conversation about how you and I have different experiences. Yeah. Our bodies are received differently as we walk through the world. Yeah. And Just like I was told when I tweeted that fat's not a feeling, that I don't understand the feeling of feeling fat because I'm actually fat. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You're underqualified as an actual fat like, person. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, so that's the tricky thing, right? Is that it's so deep and so personal for so many people. Yeah. There aren't really guideposts. And mm -hmm. the guideposts we do have are kind of messed up. They're kind of messed up. Yeah. BMI, not the best place to decide no. whether or not you're fat. No. Whoops. People ask us all the time. Like, we literally get emails with the subject line, am I allowed to call myself fat? All the time. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, I don't know. Totally. Yeah, I wrote a piece about that, and I just, I should just make it, like, the headline on my website or some something, because it's just the thing that I link people to the most, yeah. which is just, like, who's fat enough to be fat? And essentially, my position on it is, like, look... 
I'm not going to tell you how to describe your body. I'm not going to tell you how you feel about your body. I know that that is a losing fight and that that is way too deep, way too personal and way too like trauma informed for a lot of folks. But what I will say is when I'm looking for my fat people, I am looking for folks who, when they go to the doctor, don't know if they will be diagnosed for their illness. Yeah. I am looking for people who, when they get on a plane, they're not sure whether or not they'll be able to stay on. When I'm looking for my fat people, I'm looking for people who are united by an experience, not by a number on a scale, not by the BMI, not by a dress size or clothing size, but like folks who have been on the downside of power up against institutional power. Yeah. There is a social experience of structural exclusion that you're just not having at a smaller size. In the same way that there are a bunch of experiences that I'm not having as someone who, you know... Whereas a size 40 would. Like, that is a very different experience than mine. And I can't speak to it. And I also have done enough of my own self-work to not feel threatened. Yeah. Right? I think in both arenas, people are much more willing to take invisible pain of a marginalized group Mm -hmm. than they are to examine invisible privilege. Uh White people are much more comfortable talking about black pain than they are talking about white privilege. There's still a lot of people who will be like, like, just lose weight, fatty, or whatever. But, like, there's people who are now like, oh, my God, it sounds so hard to be fat. And yeah. I'm like, cool, but, like, can you talk about how easy it is to be thin? <laughs> totally. And also, like, there are some ways, this is a thing that I struggle with in my own writing, is I do write about how hard it is to be fat. And I think that there are some ways in which that ends up underpinning people's fear. Mm. Of being fat, where they're like, oh my god, it's even worse than I thought, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is, in some ways, yes, and in other ways, like... I it's also, because you think that. It's that because it's you think that and because you treat people like it is. Yeah. The visibility that I'm most interested in mm-hmm. now and the, like, hot pursuit that I feel like I've been in is how do you make thin people's privilege evident to them? Visible. Visible to them. Exactly. There's going to be a defensive reaction. There always is when we talk about privilege. Period. There just always is. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that in a way that allows them to then work through that defensiveness? And also, whose work is that? Yeah. Because there is... I'm in it. I want to make that happen. And also, there are times when I max out on how much of that I can do. And also, there are times when I'm like, I actually need thin people who understand this to work on their people. Yeah. There, I'm going to have to tap out at some point. Ron and I have talked about that a couple times, just how, like, I'm like, okay, cool. So all of our friends are chill with us, but are they having conversations with other people about it? Yeah. Like, I can relate it to whiteness where it's, like, sometimes it can be hard to learn how to call out another white person about racism stuff because mm-hmm. you feel like, well, I'm not an expert, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, you don't have to be an expert. You can just try to have a conversation. And I wish more thin people would do the same thing where they're like, I don't want to have to be there. Yeah. For you to, like, say something. Yeah. So early on, when I first joined Twitter, before I understood what Twitter actually is, which is a terrifying hellscape that no one should be on. Yes, it's awful. (laughs) I would ask folks about, and, like, really, like, from a place of anger, would ask thin people about, when have you seen anti-fatness? And what have you done about it? Mm -hmm. I want to know. Yeah. (laughs) Because I didn't... It has happened to me so many times, and, like, I think one time, anybody Mm -hmm. stepped in. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, a good friend who we'd talked about it a lot. But, like, people will yell at me on the street and at other very fat people, like, all kinds of stuff, and other people will just act like nothing's happening. Yep. And so I would ask folks, like, what have you done about it? Mm -hmm. And when have you seen it in action? The number of people who were like, I've never seen it. And I was like... Oh, you have. Yes, you have. Even if it's just somebody you're with pointing out someone. Absolutely. You know, just being like, oh my God, look at them or something like that. She shouldn't be wearing that. Yeah. At least I'm not that fat. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff that's just so colloquial and we just accept it. So it's like, you have seen it. You just haven't categorized that as something that is unacceptable. Yeah. And what I would love to get to the place of, and this is like a ways off, just to be real, (laughs) is... Thin people feeling the onus of, it's on me to interrupt that. Mm -hmm. It's on me to interrupt that. So folks who said they had seen fat hate in action would say things like, but I have social anxiety. Or, but I'm really introverted. And I was like, I'm both of those things too. Mm -hmm. And 
when oppressive stuff happens around me, I still figure out what my inroads are. Yeah. I still step up. There's stuff that you push through, and it's hard, and you still do it. And I would love to get to the place where thinner people are feeling that responsibility mm-hmm. to move past their own discomfort in order to protect a fatter person's like yeah. physical safety often. It's also hard because I know for a lot of people, everyone has body stuff. And a lot of people are like, well, I have issues with my own body, so like I can't possibly have privilege or like whatever. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. I've gotten a lot of pushback on saying that I think that white people who have Trump voting relatives should all be having conversations with them about it because people will tell me like, well, you don't understand because your parents are liberal. And so like, you don't know how like hard it would be. I get that. But also like, where's the line then? It's hard because I'm never going to be like, you owe the justice weight of the universe to break up with your mom. You know what I mean? Like I'm never going to say that. Speaking from that place of anger, which is real and which I try to set aside Mm -hmm. most of the time. It is really frustrating because it feels like there's always an excuse. And I would be so curious to hear about your experiences about this. We were talking about the differences between Portland and LA uh, over breakfast, lunch, brunch. Oh, Oh, there's a word for it. Yeah. Wow. You are not an LA person. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I've been found out. Wow. Imagine not pulling brunch out for every meal. Wow, you live a dream life. I'm not an LA person, and I'm well, also not a real gay. Like, I don't know what brunch is. Shit. I don't like gay brunch. There's too much alcohol, and I feel uncomfortable. So, you know, I'm not a real gay either. Fair. Cool. <laughs> cool. Good to know. Good to know. Today's episode is sponsored by Buffy, the makers of the incredibly fluffy Cloud Comforter. Did y'all see our Insta ad where I'm all wrapped up in my Buffy comforter reading my little book? I'd say that's what I've been doing with 99% of my free time since I got my cloud comforter. It's a nighttime blanket and part-time robe for me. And you heard me right earlier, over 11,000 customers have given the cloud comforter five-star reviews. 11,000 votes for softest and fluffiest and 11,000 votes for sustainability. Buffy's eucalyptus cover is actually genius comfort. Eucalyptus uses 10 times less water than cotton to grow, and its fiber is produced using recyclable, earth-friendly solvents. So don't forget that the... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Inside filling has also been literally transformed from 100% recycled water bottles. How is this so perfect? DM me if you figure it out, but first try it for yourself. Buffy will let you try their cloud comforter in your own bed for free. If you don't love the comforter, return it at no cost. Win-win. SAF listeners can get $20 off by visiting Buffy.co and entering code SAF. That's Buffy.co and promo code SAF for the best dreams of your life. All right, SAF family, if you are an Amazon Prime member, you might know that Prime Day is coming up. And for a limited time, you can start an Audible membership and save 66% off your first three months of Audible. That's a total of $30 off. That's like getting three months for the price of one. You'll pay just $4.95 per month for the first three months. After that, it's only $14.95 per month. This offer is valid through July 31st of this year. Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in this store. Um, And if you don't like your audiobook, you can exchange it. Also, your audiobooks are yours to keep forever, even if you cancel. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. (laughs) The planet! 
which lets you fill your summer with lots of good choices. For example, you could be like me and listen to Samantha Irby's books like Meaty or uh, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life, which are read by Samantha Irby, who's our incredible friend. You can visit audible.com slash SAF or text SAF to 500-500 to get started today. Okay, once again, that's audible.com slash SAF or text SAF to 500-500 to get started with Audible today. You know, one of the things that happens with like the visible invisible stuff, mm-hmm. right? Fat people are at once hyper visible. Lots of people have written and talked about this hyper visible and completely invisible. Mm-hmm. It's probably like eight years ago at this point, five years ago, somewhere in there, a while. I had an experience of working in downtown Portland, having a lot of street harassment, really a lot of street harassment. One dude, I was like, this was terrifying. He looked and sounded like a ghost. Oh my God. And followed me oh my God. for a couple of blocks, at least. What do you mean he sounded? He was like, fat. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he was not like that, but now I want that to be a thing. Uh, he, was, he saw me crossing the street and he yelled, no one will ever love you. Jesus Christ. And then he <laughs> followed me. Holy shit. Yes, and I ran into the parking garage. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is like some Greek chorus shit. And I tell people that, and they're like, no, but he probably said something. Like, they try and figure, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Those words are- said enough weird shit to me that I know it's definitely in the line of possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, like, I don't know, whatever. I'm like a white lady. People say that I look nice. So, like, it just invites a bunch of shit, right? Same, same. He followed me for several blocks and just kept saying it louder and louder and louder. Oh, my God. And I got my keys out. I feel like a lot of people who have moved through the world as women are familiar with this. Mm -hmm. Got my keys out and, like, sandwiched them between my knuckles to just be ready. Like, I've never thrown a punch in my life. But I was like, just in case. (laughs) Just in case. Yeah. And I spoke sprinted up the stairs of the parking garage to get, cause I didn't want to wait for the elevator. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh my God. And he stood in the stairwell. Oh my God. And shouted it up at me and I could just hear it echoing up to me. So like, that's one thing, right? Hyper visible. Right. The invisible part of that is those were crowded streets. And no one said, said or did anything. Everyone oh. was just like, this is a normal day, whatever. While I was running down the street away oh from a stranger. God. Right. The other thing. So who was the ghost? Whoa. You or him? <laughs> it's a, oh, wow. It's a real sixth sense Think twist. Think about it. Right yeah. Think about it. You're secretly listening to the <laughs> podcast version of Lost. <laughs> um, You're inside the coffin. That's oh shit. <laughs> it's a fact. The call is coming from yeah. inside the house. Yeah. Um, and the flip side is, around the same time, I read some something. Someone had done this. I wish I could credit the person who had, who was like, I did an experiment about what happens if I don't move out of the way Mm. walking down the street. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I should try that. And what happened is, as a fat person, there is this deep, deep, deep expectation that folks have that is like, it is on you to move. It It is on you to adapt. As a woman, absolutely. As a fat person, absolutely. And so I had, it was, I kept a count of it. I'll see if I can find the count. But it was like in the space of like three days, 10 people just physically ran into me. I do that all the time. I get shoulder checked constantly. I do a privilege hierarchy. I move out of the way for women of color and that's it. (laughs) And like, you know, moms who have babies or like disabled people. But everyone else, I'm going to fucking run into you. I don't give a shit. Well, you did it on the way here, right? That you were like walking along and someone was just walking directly at you and you were like, excuse me. Yep. And they just ran into me. It just happens. It just happens. Another aspect of the visible and visible thing that I don't really know exactly how to talk about, but I feel a lot of times like when I walk into a room, I have that dichotomy where I'm like, hmm. I'm both visible because people are going to look at me because I'm fat, but I'm also invisible because people are going to look past me because I'm fat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people underestimate you and make judgments about you. Like people don't think you're a sexual object or they over-sexualize you. And it's like confusing because you're never yeah. quite sure what... Which one's going to happen? Yeah, I feel like there's a related phenomenon to that. So totally agreed. Yeah. Absolutely all the time. There is a related phenomenon that is I 
particularly in airports, but also in like malls and like any sort of public place where there are a lot of people, people will genuinely watch me like they watch TV. Oh my God. You were tweeting about this the other day. Yeah. People were asking me to ask you about this. <laughs> like <laughs> when you tweeted about it, you were like, this person stared at me. Like I stared back at them and mm-hmm. a couple people were like, whoa, I would never have the courage to like stare back at someone. Mm-hmm. Does that feel threatening? I feel like if I ever stare back, it starts to feel threatening very quickly. I feel like an asshole for sure. But I also have been reminding myself lately, and that's like a recent thing that I'm willing and able to stare back. That's a leap for me personally. But I also remind myself, so like one of the questions that I get a lot related to this is um, I'm looking like I have family who's super, super anti-fat and I'm looking for a polite way to shut it down. And my response to that is the same as my response to the staring stuff, which is like you shutting it down, you are not the person being an asshole. Yeah. You don't need to own that. I get that it's uncomfortable and that's super real and valid. Yeah. But that's not the same thing as being a jerk. Right. Like the person initiating the staring. Is being the jerk. Is being the jerk. And I will stare back and I will make them uncomfortable. Yeah. To call attention to the fact that they actually initiated unbroken eye contact with me for like 20 seconds or whatever. Uh, Which, by the way, sounds like not very long. I was giving the counts of seconds. It's a long time. It's such a long time. Wait, but can I, I was wondering yes. what, what face are you making when you look back? Are you neutral? I think I'm neutral, but I also am one of those people who people are like, you look mad. And I'm like, I feel fine. Oh, cause when I've so done I that know. in the past, what makes people look away usually is I look back, I hold eye contact for several seconds. And then when I think the time is right, I pull a, <laughs> I just did an eyebrow raise. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, really? Yeah. And usually then people like are like, Ugh, and they like look away. Yeah. I had one person, this was at the airport, Portland International Airport, and one person absolutely nudged their partner that they were, or I don't know if it was their partner, but the person they they were were flying with, with, to look over, that person sort of turned their body to look over at me, and then just, they just watched me pass. And like, I think part of it is, some folks responded and were like, I don't experience that. And I was like, you know... Four years ago, I would have also said that. Uh huh. This is just me personally. I'm not projecting anything out of their experiences. But for me personally, four years ago, I felt deserving of the shame of that. Yeah. And I would not look up because I knew I wasn't going to like yes. what I found. Yeah. So like even just the taking stock of it mm-hmm. and saying publicly, here's what happened to me. Here's how many people. I don't know how many people I landed on. Like seven, something like that. And those were just the people that I clock and the people who looked for more than five seconds, right? Yeah. Which is a long time to look it's at It's a long time. Everybody has their own experiences. Fat people in different parts of the country with different identities, all kinds of stuff will experience stuff differently. For me, my own experience is that I would not have thought I was being stared at the way or to the degree mm-hmm. that I was or for the length of time. And I also didn't know what it would mean to challenge it and that that actually does not stop it. No, it doesn't at all. They just keep looking. They just keep looking because it is like a television. It's like something you can look at that will not respond to you, that does not have agency. No, I've said what a few times and then people look away. I was certainly afraid of confrontation arising from that. I didn't have any. I just had like non-responsiveness was Mm -hmm. my experience. Have you had any confrontations arise from saying what? Because I'm like, mine were all nonverbal. I didn't... Uh, I mean, little things. Like, some a couple times I've been out and... But usually if I say something, people will feel ashamed and look away. Especially in a very crowded public space. Sure. If you can just be like, do you want people to look at you and see what you're doing? <laughs> then they realize. I've had, especially with, like, men, because there's, there's a different kind of staring that's, like, a man staring at you and you can tell that he's looking at you in a sexual way because you're mm-hmm. fat, mm-hmm. you know? And when men have done that... And I go, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, do you want something? Then they'll usually just go, bitch, and turn away. Yeah. But that's as far as that's gone. Every once in a while, I've gotten like two or three of these. So not a ton, but enough that I'm like, this is fascinating that we are here with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I have had emails from thin folks being like, I'm so mad. Everyone around me is so fat phobic and so anti-fat. And I just want to cut ties with all of them. Oh my God. And I'm like... Okay, so if you want to cut ties with anti-fat people, you should also be prepared to cut ties with fat people who are dieting. Yeah. You should be prepared to cut ties with your doctor. Yeah. You should be prepared to cut ties with, like, all kinds of folks. And that is actually not materially helpful to me. So we're invisible. Mm -hmm. 
and we're hyper-visible. In speculative fiction, in genre fiction, in comic books, in movies, invisibility is regarded as a superpower. True. So what are the powers that come from being invisible, right? Mm. And I think, so one of the things that's been on my mind, and this is something that's often cited and talked about, is people reveal themselves to you immediately. Yeah. When you are not someone who is, like, they see as a useful person. Yes. And people see fat people as, like, non-sexualized, slash hypersexual, completely useless, slash they will use them. Yeah. Right? Like, all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I can read a person? immediately because that person will actually act differently yes. around me. And yes. that is same. super helpful. The same way that like, like I've had to tell friends to just believe me when I'm like, that guy was talking to me because he thought he could fuck me just because I'm fat. And I'll be like, really? I didn't read that from him. And I'm like, well, I did. And I, you have to believe me about it. Yeah. And you can. There's always, there's just sort of this side of like, can you prove it? Right. Show the receipts. What's like, the data? You can just feel it. You can just tell. You just know. You know, because you know what the data is? The data is, for me, 35 years of lived experience. Right. That's pretty good. Exactly. That's a lot of data. Exactly. No, that's very true, that I can tell immediately. I'm like, you're going to start paying attention to me if you find out that you think I have some sort of power. Absolutely. And before that, you're going to ignore me, then, like, you suck. (laughs) Totally. Okay. This week... On Ask a Fatty, we have a question from a Hannah who asked us a question about our last episode called The Fat Friend, where we read a bunch of your stuff. So this seems like an appropriate question to ask. Okay, this Hannah says, I loved all the advice you guys gave for supporting fat friends. I've been fat my entire life until recently. I lost a ton of weight and I'm currently considered straight size. You two seem to give such good advice to your listeners. (laughs) Thank you. And I was hoping you could help me as well. Being fat my whole life, I've always identified with the plus size community. However, very recently, I've been suddenly feeling like an outsider to it because of my weight loss. I've always been fat. My friends have always been fat. It's shaped the way I've grown up and how I see the world and other people. Ever since I lost weight, it seems like the dynamic in my relationships with my fat friends seems a little bit off. We are still all very close, but I feel uncomfortable when talking about being fat because I feel like I don't have the right to anymore. Hmm. I tell myself and my friends that losing weight was a health choice for me. It was problematic, but I won't get into it. But I think that might make them feel like I didn't want to be, quote, like them. Any advice on how to approach being the former fat, now straight-sized friend? It's a really jarring feeling to suddenly be treated like an acceptable person who finally fits in with the world by my family and then also have friends treat me a bit differently because I made choices that distance myself from them. This person is from Buffalo, New York. So I will start with the end, which is not what this person asked me to do, (laughs) which is like, what do you do with family members and compliments and all that kind of stuff? So I've um, shared with folks that I not as a choice, but like had some health stuff diagnosed and lost quite a bit of weight uh, a couple of years ago. And at the extended family Christmas dinner, the number of people who were like, Oh my God, you look amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. I'm still a size 26. You mm-hmm. can chill yourself right the hell out. <laughs> the thing that worked the best for me where I was like, I don't have space to start a whole conversation with them is they would go, you look amazing. And I'd be like, thanks. So do you. And they would just be like, but I'm uh-huh. like, they like really were trying to figure out how to just have this be a coded thing that yeah. didn't get called out. And I was yeah. like, you also look great. And I mean it mm-hmm. and really threw them for a loop. Yeah. So just like heads up tip from me to you. I like that one. I've done before. Cause I also like lost weight when last year, when I cut gluten out, which was partly, I think like a lot of times if you cut carbs in some way, you lose weight. Sure. And another thing was just that, like, I was adjusting to eating in a different way, and I didn't know what to eat. (laughs) And so sometimes I was hungry because I was like, I know if I eat that, I'll feel sick, but I'm too tired to cook something, so I'm just going to go to bed hungry. Yeah, yeah, totally. like, whatever. And some of it I've gained back a little bit, and some of it stayed off, but, like, I tried really hard to not look at it too hard you know what I mean I was just like well I'm just gonna like let this settle out and I'll think about it later and that's what like felt right for me at the time but definitely people were like oh my god like you look great like you you're losing weight and I would be like oh really and then they'd be like yeah yeah yeah." and I'd be like oh how much weight do you think I've lost (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, what do you think looks different? Like, just, you know, until they'd be like, I don't, okay. And then I'd be like, then I'd let them move on. But I'm like, don't say shit like that, you know? I appreciate that kind of this whole conversation is me being like, here's a non-confrontational way oh, to sidestep so it. And you're just like, no, <laughs> shove it in their faces. I just, I'm so, I mean, like, yesterday, literally yesterday I was on the street. I was in Larchmont, which is really near my, my place. And I was waiting to pick up these tacos and this guy like pulled a chair in front of me to like sit with his friend but he didn't say excuse me which would have been really easy instead he just did the thing that men do where they like expect you to move out of the way see them and move out of the way but because he didn't say excuse me I like refused to move and I was just like I don't want to be this close to this person but I'm gonna stand here to make a freaking point and Victor's always like would you just let it go I'm like no, yeah, I can't. That's right. I do more now because I'm like, oh, this is not worth it. Another thing I'll do if people are like, oh my God, you've lost weight. Like you look great. I'll be like, oh, have you lost weight recently too? And then they're like, oh yeah, I have. And I'm like, oh cool. Was it because you also were shitting your brains out? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or I'll just be like explicit about it. They'll be like, oh, you've lost weight. And I was like, oh yeah, I had to um, stop eating gluten because I was having bloody shit. And then they change the subject really fast. Like, don't talk to me about my body. It's not your business. That's really funny. You know? I like that so much. They're like, what's your plan? I'm like, have IBS and a gluten intolerance. Like, what do you mean? What's your plan? Yeah. Another thing is when people say, like, the other ones seem more aggressive, but they honestly work a little bit better because they throw people off in a way that's sort of passive aggressive. Mm. And people know how to deal with that better than Mm. when people say oh, if you lost weight, you look great. And then I say like, actually, I don't like to say that it's good to lose weight because I feel like I'm dehumanized for being fat. That makes people so uncomfortable. And then they apologize and then they don't. And I'm like, I don't want to have a full conversation all the time. So it's like, I don't want to be real, you know? That's right. I did have one confrontational (laughs) conversation about this. With someone who was like, you look amazing. Mm -hmm. You could wear whatever you want now, which is also like... No. (laughs) I already... Number one, no, because you don't have access. And number one, you could have done that before. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. I do wear what I want. It is very boring. Yeah. The clothes that I wear are very boring. That's what I want to wear. And she was like, you look amazing. You look totally changed. Like, blah, blah, blah. And she just would not stop. And I was like, what looked bad before? Yeah. And she was like, what? And I was like... What looked bad before? He said, everything looks amazing. What was looking bad before? And she was like, you know, I don't mean it like that. We went back and forth and back mm-hmm. and forth. And I was like, whatever. But like, that was a way of just like putting a hard stop into the conversation. Again, like, you are not the asshole. Yeah. You're not the asshole. A slightly less confrontational thing that I'll do with people who I think are well-meaning, but still saying it, is I'll do a version of that where they'll go like, oh my God, you've lost weight. You look great. And I go like, oh, I think I look great all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good. And then they go like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then they don't want to push it more. That's right. And that's a way of being like, do not make comparisons about my body without having to actually say that. Yep, totally. So on this, how do you talk about being a formerly fat person? This is like a thorny question, right? It's a tricky thing because it's super, super close to your heart, Mm -hmm. right? It is your life experience It is how you've moved through the world. It is really jarring to have people see you differently than you see yourself. There are lots of examples of that, right? And all of us have those things. At the same time, you are now able to speak from a distance about something that your fat friends are currently in. Mm -hmm. And I will say, everybody has different boundaries. Everybody has different things that are hard for them. For me, I am totally down to talk to and hang out with formerly fat people as long as two things are in place. One, as long as they say, my experience was this. I don't know what yours has been. Yeah. Right? Opening up a space for owning your own experience should actually not be really that threatening to anyone. Sometimes it is, but whatever. And opening up a space for them to speak from theirs Mm -hmm. if they want to Mm -hmm. um, is really important. And the other thing is soliciting when formerly fat people solicit and then respect the boundaries that they solicit. Mm -hmm. Are you okay to talk about this thing? Cool, then let's talk about it. Disproportionately, though, when I talk to people who used to be fat, that's not the tenor of the conversation. Yeah. 
what it ends up being is here's what worked for me. Here's how much better I feel. Blah, 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 blah. And it's totally fine to want to process that stuff. Don't do it with other fat people. Like, I don't want to hear what worked for you. Totally. And also like, I would gently and lovingly push back on the language around like, I made this decision for my health Mm -hmm. because the implications there are twofold. One is that everyone can decide to be less fat, Mm -hmm. that all fat people are obstinately choosing to be fat. Yeah. Some people are, and some people are not. And both of those things are fine. Yeah. And thing two is it underscores the idea that it is inherently unhealthy to be fat. Yeah. And I think it's one thing to say, you know what? I was pre-diabetic, so I cut out sugar. And as a result, my body shape changed. But that's way different. If you say, like, I made, I just feel like the haze language of being, like, talk about actions instead of like end results or body size or shape where it's like, Oh, I started eating differently than I had before. And my body changed as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really different than I lost weight for X. Totally. And I also think again, with, with love, (laughs) with love, Hannah, there is a degree to which every kind of anti-fatness that I face at some point gets cloaked in because your health. Yeah. So I also don't trust that because right. that has been the word that has been used and the framework that has been used by many people who have very directly hurt me very much. Exactly. So that to me is a different conversation than I was dealing with this specific condition or I made this specific intervention and one of the outcomes of it was that I lost weight versus saying I was fat, therefore I was unhealthy, therefore I lost weight. To keep myself Or healthy. honestly, even if you want to just say the specific things for you, like there's, you know, different conversations about this, but even if you were like, my weight was putting a lot of strain on my knees and I decided that restricting my eating was less of a health burden than my knees giving out or something. I'm like, well, that's your personal choice. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But that's like very different from my health in general. Totally. Also, like I have a number of trans friends who in order to access surgery, were required to lose weight. They were not going to be, it's part of the standards of care that you will not be granted transition related surgeries if you are over a certain Mm -hmm. weight and over a certain BMI. So having conversations with those friends who are like, I'm going to lose weight so that I can have this surgery so that I can stay alive. Yeah. So that I can stay safe on a daily basis so that I don't you know, face so many suicidal ideations so that I don't like all of this kind of stuff. Right. Like that is a very different conversation than just broadly for my health, for my health. I decided to do it and it's for my health, which is sort of a smokescreen. Yeah. Honestly, I would also ask this Hannah to just kind of be more willing to recognize their privilege now. Like some of it is like, yeah, some of what you're doing before was trauma bonding. You still have the experience of that past trauma. But you don't have that experience anymore. And so, like, now you get the opportunity to move more into being an ally and learning the ways to be a, a friend to your to your fat friends, not as someone who knows exactly what's happening in that moment, but learning how your experience is going to be different from them in that moment and how you can have the, like, power and, like, amazing chance to do something they couldn't do in this in those moments. Totally. And also like, I think, you know, again, everybody has their own boundaries and stuff that's hard for them. For me, if a friend came to me and was like, I lost a bunch of weight and now people are doing this thing and it's real weird and alienating. Yeah. I would be like, oh my God, totally. That sounds very alienating. Yeah. And I have had friends who have lost a significant amount of weight, have said that sort of thing. And then have been like, I've been trying to figure out how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. Let's workshop it. Yeah. Let's talk about it such it's happened like two times in my life ever. And both times I I'm getting chills talking about it now that I'm just like, this is magic. Yeah. This is someone acknowledging that my experience is different than their own. And they're saying, I want your help in figuring this out. And I recognize that I can't do it by myself, nor should I. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Other folks will have different experiences. For me, that was like, Oh my God, I want to do this forever. And I understand the, what this Hannah's saying in a little, in a, as a little bit is saying like, I'm caught in the middle of like, I don't want then people to claim me basically. Absolutely. Which I'm like, I get that. So don't be a thin person who puts down fat people and you'd be fine. Like totally. be a leader in that, you know, I'm so sorry, but you're always fat inside. Like once you, <laughs> once you've been fat, you are fat inside forever. Um, I mean, it's just true. Were you trying to come up with a rhyme? Cause I no. was. No. Okay, oh my gotcha. God. 
<laughs> but you can all, you know, once you've been fat, you're, you're always at fat. I don't don't know. It's true. It's just like, it's not that you don't have, we're taking away your experience in the past. Yeah. It's just that it's like, I personally don't know that if I had a friend who was fat and then lost a ton of weight, I would want to talk to them about fat struggles anymore in the same way. Yeah. Depends how they approach it. I would also say I am firmly in the camp of lots of therapy for everyone. Oh yeah. Everyone. So I would also say like, be mindful of the degree to which you are expecting more processing from your fat friends Uh of this sort of change in your body and how it's received. Be more thoughtful about like, is this something that I can work through a with this friend? Does Mm -hmm. it need to be this friend? Does it need to be a fat friend? Yeah. B is it something that can be worked out with any friend? Cause there are like, I have the blessing of friends who will set boundaries. I, (laughs) one of my very best friends uh, a couple weeks ago, it was just like, I was talking to him about some anti-fat stuff and he was just like, look, I hear what you're saying. And also I've done as much as I can on this. You need to go find some fat friends. Mm-hmm. He was like, I love you. I will hang out with you for forever. <laughs> and also I can't process this with you. Yeah. Right. So like, that's the other. And I was like, oh, right. This is partly that I totally need more fat friends. Yeah. <laughs> and partly that I actually just need to take it with me to therapy. Yeah. Right. And there's that, both. Like, there's all. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's just more, more conversations and more being vulnerable, which I know is scary, but like your friends love you probably. And like, you know, they want to be there for you too. I will also say as a fat friend and you, this particular Hannah may know that as well, that like, there is something that happens when you are a fat friend that like people just start emotionally dumping on you. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be really hard, especially when that is specifically stuff that you don't have access to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I can just like approaching the conversation again in the way you said your friend did of being like, this is weird and I don't know how to deal with this now. It's very different than going to your fat friends and being like, now that I'm thin, (laughs) it's hard, you know? Totally. Like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I am insecure too. Yeah, basically. Like, I don't want to hear that. It's like, that's not for me to hold. What is here is is for for you to say, like, let's check in on our friendship. What are the things we need now? How can we both be safe here? And that's really different from, like, how come I can't say the same things anymore? You know? Absolutely. I think this Hannah is going to have great conversations and be fine. I believe in this Hannah. Absolutely. I feel like just asking the question is so much more than so many people do. Yeah. Okay, Hannah, we're going to put some links to um, your fat friend's essays in the show notes for you to look at and read and good luck. And I hope that since you sent this in a while ago, that things are feeling more settled for you. Thanks, Hannah. So we have solved, what have we solved? We've solved, um, (laughs) (laughs) what haven't we solved? (laughs) This is what you probably do every time. We're like, um, we've solved, uh, uh, bread. (laughs) I never know. We've, We've solved what to do when strangers stare at you. Yeah. We've solved how to how to approach thinking about things that you want to criticize in a more subtle and like thoughtful way. Sure. Yeah. And uh and we've solved um whether or not to be anonymous online. Wow. We did it. We really did it. We did wow. it. It's done. We you did know it. What? This is why we say you're, you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> and that's our show. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Khan, and the iconic April K. Quio, who is on a break this season. You know what she said to me the other day, though, was... Why people don't know how to cook. I'm just being honest. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was co-produced and edited by Maria Ortel. Our junior producer is Lynn Barbera. Our lovely, amazing new interns are Freya Salander and Yeli Cruz. I am our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye.
So he followed me and just kept repeating that. You're actually that. me. I'm ta- interviewing myself. That secret's out. <laughs> we're doing the, like, <laughs> Harpo, mar- like, <laughs> you know, like. We're doing mirror. mirror yeah, we're, mirror, we're doing the mirror model exercise. Behavior. That's yeah. right. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.